Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! And welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360, and I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of having my brother Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, join me as we embark on episode 37 on the September 10th, 2017. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter at JoygasmTV and Facebook.com slash JoygasmTV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can also listen to our podcast on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash JoygasmTV or search JoygasmTV on YouTube. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review. It helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. We have a fun show for you today. In video game news, we have actually just one little item that I thought would be fitting for us to play for you as we watch it here. It is the latest Witcher 10th anniversary video thanking all of the fans. So pretty cool. Movie news includes Stephen King's huge it movie success, Toys R Us, potential bankruptcy filing, which I realize is not exactly movie news. I just didn't know where to put it because it's not like gaming, movies, or technology, but I do feel it is worth covering as well as more of Disney's IPs leaving Netflix studios fighting over James Bond and news of director Colin Trevorrow's departure from Star Wars Episode Nine. Our topic of the day is Destiny 2 play impressions, but first things first, as always, Steve, how you doing? Russ, greetings and salutations to you. Oh, thank you. This is a very mucusy kind of a day. It you is. Know, allergy uh, season's coming in, in uh, full freaking force and all its uh <laughs> we're both a, a bit congested uh, yeah so don't get any snot in your microphone i'll try not to get any snot on my microphone try not to hawk any loogies into yeah the, really. the microphone there steve <laughs> the tissue box has come back to uh keep us company <laughs> <laughs> it has very much so so uh you might get a, a couple of sneezes but i try not to aim them your direction <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty of mucus maintainers right here for uh, any of those whether you're hawking a loogie Snot, sneeze, any mm. kind, any kind of mucusy, membraney kind of nastiness. Yeah, yeah. So now that we've grossed out all of our listeners, uh, you been playing anything? You been watching? Anything? Well, what Russ? is new in the world of Steve? If anybody was paying attention to the last podcast, they would remember that I stole Fort Horizon number three. Uh, so I have actually put down Overwatch. Oh, a new. For the entire week. A new game has taken the mantle. And I have played nothing but Forza. Has it been your muse? 
Your new muse? Uh, it has. Your right. new inspiration? And I conquered it. What do you mean you conquered I it? I beat the game! You beat the game? Aww. How is that possible? Well, you I, only borrowed it for like a week. I know. I, uh, I was pretty, pretty intense with it, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> so which is kind of funny because I'm, I haven't done everything in the game, uh-huh. but at some point it's just like, okay, well, you've done the biggest things in the game, so we're just gonna go ahead and say you're you're done. Okay, <laughs> I haven't maximized all the venues. So you've gone through the main story. You've done Blizzard Mountain. You've done no, the Hot done, Wheels. Those are all DLC. Okay, so you're just doing just the streaming yeah. thing. So the, the actual like person who handholds you through the game has mm-hmm. said you've completed everything. Mm-hmm. Did they give you any recommendations like play online, play cooperatively, anything like that? Uh, no, they just they, they said keep on. They're playing other races that are available to you, and keep keep checking what Horizon has to offer you. Were you playing that game for like eight hours a day? Eight hours a day. No, I wouldn't say eight hours, probably five hours. Five hours? Yeah. Are you sure? Per day, yeah. Because, I mean, there is the evening, too. Mm-hmm. So only five hours per day. About five hours a day. I don't think, I don't see how that's possible, because that would mean that you've only put in about 25 hours mm-hmm. into the game, and you've beaten it. I, I've put, I mean, you even tag-teamed it with me at my own house, well, and we, we're not done yet. Right, but you have all the DLC, so, like, when we first started playing it, we were like going through the regular game and just opening up everything. And then it was like Christmas time, like, oh, Blizzard Mountain, let's do that. Okay. So we got Blizzard Mountain. We started playing Blizzard Mountain. Then we went back to the regular game. And then it was like, oh, Hot Wheels is out. Okay, there's my Hot Wheels. And that was like in the, in the early springtime. And then other games would come out. So we just play it every once in a while. Man. Well, <laughs> con- <laughs> congratulations to you. Thank you. Actually, there was one race where I was doing really good and I, was, I started. Um, Racing rivals and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like, huh, you know, you're winning easily. Let's bump bump the uh, the difficulty. So I kept bumping it up and bumping it up and bumping it up, and finally I just went to unbeatable, uh-huh. and I wanted that one too. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, that was only one race, but uh, <laughs> wow, like, here we go. That's insane. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, I mean, I think that's still it, it's. I, for one, am happy for you just because I remember, I think we actually talked about it on Joygasm about how for a while you just haven't played any racing games. You were Mm -hmm. kind of burned out on the approaches to them. Mm -hmm. You just really, I think the last, what was the last racing game you enjoyed? Was like Gran Turismo 4 or something like that? Yeah, it was probably either Gran Turismo 4 or um, like Need for Speed Carbon, like back in that day. Yeah, so yeah. it's been years. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that like there's a, another racing game out there that has rekindled the spirit. Definitely. There, there, I, I did find some stuff that I was like, why'd they do that in the game? Uh-huh. Little criticisms. But um, I don't know if you want to get into that or not. But um, I, I kind of thought, man, they paid attention to so much stuff in the game, so much stuff that car enthusiasts like myself would, would love and, and enjoy. Uh-huh. And I thought, how could they overlook some of this stuff? You know. I don't know, you want to hear it? Timing can be a pain. I just, you know, mm. I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, are there a lot or just a uh, few? They're, they're, they're mostly little things. All right. So, like, for example, you, they give you the option of tuning your car, uh-huh. right? So you can swap out engines and everything, but if you swap out the engine, pretty much in the end, it's going to sound like a Lamborghini. So, like, if you're driving a Hummer H1 Alpha and you swap out the engine for, like, 
a six liter, you know, V10, V12 or whatever, mm. it's going to sound like a Lamborghini. I'm like, hmm, okay. So pretty much anything you swap the engine out of, if it's if it's bigger than a V8, it's going to sound like a Lambo, no matter what it is. I'm like, ah, come on. Uh-huh. Or if you swap out the exhausts on the car, no, nothing changes. Interesting. So I'm like, I'm so I, I found myself keeping everything stock and then just improving it from there because I wanted to hear the original sure. authentic sounds of the car. And then the game crashed on me four times. Four times? Four times. Well, you know what? That might actually be, I wonder if it's due to your hard drive being full. I don't know. I know it's crashed over here a couple times too when I've played it. Okay. So it's not just limited to my Xbox. Um, and no, no other game has crashed. Hmm. Well, except for Assassin's Creed Black Flag that's crashed a couple times. But, and that was even early on. <laughs> so um, anyway, that um, there's a few, some, some things like there was like artifacting on the, on the speedometer. I'm like, why is this thing artifacting right now? You know? And then mm. like, I see cars constantly backfire. I'm like, and that's not really a criticism for the game. That's a lot of driving games lately. They just, that's the theme. They all need to like, backfire. like one of the trends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm tired of it backfiring. You know, you either need to, and in the car world, you either need to like tune it to like the peak. And so it just, you know, it, it, it backfires. Uh-huh. Or um, you need to like thrash the motor constantly, like leave it at red line for like a good solid minute, bum, 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 and then it'll start backfiring. Uh-huh. Um, one of the two, but nothing just keeps backfiring like that. A lot of, come on. So after playing Forza Horizon 3, do you think that you're going to be p- picking up like Forza 7 when it comes out this year? Or? Um, I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. I would love for you to tell me why. What? Drew me to Horizon was Forza Horizon. I want to mix. You know, when we're talking about Horizon on PlayStation, we're talking about Forza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that it's it's so different than a lot of the racing games that have the same tracks going uh-huh. in there. You know, you're racing in Dubai, you're racing in Laguna Seca. You know, just uh-huh. better graphics, better looking cars, whatnot. I don't really want to go back to that because I feel a little bit spoiled with all the originality of the tracks of this, sure. of this game. That I I love the engine. I mean, it's 4K at 60 frames a second. Uh, for for the next Forza game, right? But I would love to see that engine and like Horizon Four, sure. You know, Forza Horizon. I mean that that game. Yes, Horizon I will buy Four in four K at sixty frames a second. I mean that's I that that's gonna be bonkers. Definitely yeah. gonna get that one. Yeah, I I tend to agree because I remember talking to our good old friend Brad because he was the one who really spurred me on to try this one out because each yeah. one of the Horizon games he's always enjoyed and he has always mentioned that he prefers the Horizon series over the main Forza series. Yeah, and I think that having played Horizon three, I'm just going to be looking forward to to the next installments uh, for the series. And I have kind of a, a apprehension now to just like you said, like, like the standard, I'm sure I'll probably pick it up just because I've always been a huge fan of the Forza series. Uh, but I am a little just kind of like, oh, I'm going to be like linear track, you know, kind of thing instead of like just going wherever I want to go. And it's and actually, you know, I think it's one of those uh, secret sauces that, um, what's the developer's name? It's like playground playground games. Yeah. Um, I think that somehow they were able to achieve that. And really, I think it has to do with multiple components. One of them actually being Australia. Mm-hmm. Australia is always a country that I've wanted to go and visit. It has just this, this constant, um, allure for me to be able to go and check it out. 
And uh, I think some of that has to do with the persona of um, the Australians that live there and, and what they've cultivated within their culture and, and just, just the beautiful vistas that, that are there on Cause like, you know, it's funny cause when you, if you look at Australia initially, it's like, Oh, it's an Island, but it's like, no, it's not. It's a continent mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. it's a huge continent. Like, yeah. like it's actually almost the same size as the United States. I mean, it's, it's pretty large. Yeah. But I think that that for me personally was one of the big reasons why I found it so enjoyable to be able to just go off the beaten path and just go, Joyriding essentially. Yeah. So, one thing that I tried that I don't think you've ever tried in the game is the auction house. Nope. I have a feeling I'm missing out on quite a few things in there because <laughs> it's it's one of those games that like you really get your money's worth when you buy it. And you're, I mean, I, I have th- there's the co-op play online. Yeah. I haven't even tried that. I've had yeah. a couple of invites from some buddies, but I did acquire you as a as a drivatar. So I, ha- I have you making money for me. Right. Yeah, well, uh, that and our friend Big Baby. Badass moose. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are both making me money. Um, but I didn't get the VIP. So like, right. like you got it, and then every time you got the spend, if you gained a level, they would like double your credit. Sure. So I never got that. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I explored the auction house, and I got some deals. Oh. Telling you what, there's like, and there's deals to be had. Mm-hmm. I got a Ferrari um, F, what was it? Ferrari uh, Berlinetta FF. 12, sure. like that. I don't know, some of those long names. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, there, you, it, you can spend 380,000 credits in the game to buy the car. Uh-huh. I got it for 38,000. Oh. 10 for the price, baby. Very cool. So um, anyhow, I, I, I just decided I'm not going to buy anything for regular game retail. I'm just going to go in there. and yeah. Oh, but you know what happened? I'm sorry, I, 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 I actually don't know what happened. I'll let you speak in a second, Russ. But no, I, you you're know, good. I, hey, hey, hey. This no. is good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. So on the auction house, I was like, ooh, I want to buy a Porsche, right? I, I know what you mean. Sometimes I walk into an auction yeah, house and I get the same feeling. I'm I like, know, I right, right, right? right? It's one of those Porsche kind of days. <laughs> right? So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I would go in there and I'm like, oh, I want the new 911 or I want, I want the Cayman. So they said, okay, we're selling the Cayman for like, you know, half a million. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll get it for half a million because usually it's available only in the DLC. So I, I click on it and I go, okay, Here's my bid, and I'll I'll click the and I'll click the A button, and then the thing will come up and say, "Oh, well, if you want that car, you have to do the DLC." I'm like, "Wait a second! If I if I get it on the download, am I spending money? Then I'm getting the car anyway. Mm-hmm. So why am I? Why is it available at the auction house to buy for a half a million game credits, and you're not letting me buy it? But I but I have to buy it with my actual dollars. Yeah, <laughs> like that just kind of doesn't fit the bill. And then I thought, okay, well. I, I just, it's just because it's not available in the game period because it, the software's not there. I have to download it. Right. And then right. I see the cars racing with me in the game. I'm like, wait a minute. A little tease. Both Hot Wheels and the Porsches are in the game racing with me. Uh-huh. But it doesn't let me buy the car. I'm like, ugh. Nuts. Weird. I wonder if it was part of some sort of DLC pack. Well, I mean, you, you there, the Porsche is a part of the DLC pack. Yeah, I remember them. I remember one yeah. of them. But I would, I'm, I'm wondering why they would be racing with me or they're, they're all available to, to buy on auction. If I, if I don't know, that's weird, right? I don't get it. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I haven't even done the, even any of the, uh, the auction stuff either. On my side of things, I finally beat horizon zero. Dawn. Oh snap! Yeah. I actually pulled a couple of late nights. I was up to like 3 AM because all of a sudden, like the game just started dropping huge plot bombs left and right and it just kept me glued to the screen which is saying something because uh when the game first started out i actually really wasn't into the plot 
I thought it it was just kind of cheesy, honestly, with, with a lot of the uh, the the goddess mother here and uh, the tribal things there and stuff. It just it, I I just found myself kind of ignoring it and then moving along because I was enjoying the gameplay mechanics. However, as I got further into the game, then things started really getting interesting. I don't know. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna play? Horizon Zero Dawn at some point or not? Because I don't know how, like what I should say and what I should not say. Uh, probably not because by the time I'm caught up with everything, I'm most likely to be playing Final Fantasy Seven at your house <laughs> at two in the morning, <laughs> and that's going to take over my life. So I mean, at, if you tell me whatever, I'm most likely going to forget it at, at that point. Okay, so I'm going to tell the listeners right now that um, I'll probably go into some spoilers for Horizon Zero Dawn just so uh, we can have this conversation for the folks who have beat the game so we can uh, chat about it. So you may want to skip ahead a little bit. I'm going to give you just a little bit of time and, uh, you know, make that decision. That's what you want to do. Okay. Again, we're going to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn spoilers. Spoilers. Plot spoilers okay here we go uh you meet the t-1000 no okay you meet skynet no okay well kind of skynet <laughs> is kind of like this is close okay so in the game you play this girl who um play a trick you know <laughs> apparently you don't know where you came from like you were raised by this guy named rost and he is kind of like your your stepdad basically mm. And you're kind of shunned from the tribe that you grew up in. You don't know why, but it's just there's due to like a lot of the um, superstitions and a lot of the um, lore that that the the tribal leaders have um, kind of instilled within the the little small society there. You wind up being kind of shunned, and so then you have this guy Rost who shows you how to hunt, how to take care of yourself, that sort of thing, and you move forward throughout the game. You eventually are able to get out of your little area called Mother's Embrace and you go exploring into this huge wide open map and everything else. So what I thought was really cool was that um, you begin to learn about uh, where these all these machines came to be, how they existed, that sort of thing. And it winds up um, kind of in a nutshell being that um, you're actually on Earth mm-hmm. <laughs> that was filled with all kinds <laughs> oh, of mucus man. goodness right there. <laughs> I'm have a gift for you in a second. Yeah, really. Just put it, put it in a mucus maintainer. <laughs> well, uh, I got one here if you want it, right? No, no. <laughs> Just start, I'm going to start hawking like used tissues at you. <laughs> oh, that's just nasty. Anyway, so. What are we talking about again? You start going into these, these kind of um, bunker ruin areas. Oh. And that's where the plot starts to unfold. And you realize that there was some sort of conflict going on on earth regarding some sort of corporation that has made these, um, it wasn't the same machines. It was these other types of machines that Mm. were much more military esque, but they were part of like this quote unquote, like peacekeeping initiative. And you realize that there is this, um, this character named Elizabeth Sorbeck. And, uh, she was like the scientist person who was really fighting against the, this guy who was like, you know, he was this money grubbing CEO guy of this uh, corporation, you know, interested in his stocks going up and everything else. And what ended up happening was they, they designed these machines with an, an AI that was too advanced. 
And so some of the, the, the protocols that they had put in place began to turn on civilization on itself. And so like one of the ways that the machines um, are able to maintain themselves through an automated process is by um, consuming biomass. Well, biomass is anything that is more of this earth. So any kind of vegetation, um, animals, people, that sort of thing. I mean, like, like it just essentially will use that. And, and of course there's, you know, certain things go wrong where like you have um, the main AI that starts to really create more and more of these machines. And, and as a result, humanity is on the brink of extinction. So there's this big initiative called zero dawn. And that's where it comes in is that they have to try and figure out how can we save humanity? And so, um, I'm going to forget all this by the time, by the time I play it. Russell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you probably will. However, I thought it, the, the, the approach to everything was really cool. It had kind of an X-Files feel to it. I like X-Files. Um, but, but it didn't leave any stones um, unturned. It actually was really good. I love the ending. Like they wrapped it up really nicely. Good. Um, you, you come to discover that there are two different AIs that they had created. One was, um, I can't remember what it was, like basically like a mother nature, Gaia, I think it was. Mm. Gaia was the one that was designed to um, repopulate the earth with all kinds of the, the seeds and, you know, shrubs, food, animals, people, that sort of thing. Was, and, the, was the second anything to do with Google or Siri? No. Oh, okay. I'm no, no. I was just, no. I had to, okay. Uh, but then the other AI was called <laughs> Hades. Oh, was he a good one? <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing about it was that Hades, like like when you when you run into Hades in the game before you you find out more about it, um, you just think, oh, it's like this like evil AI program thing, or whatever. But actually, you come to realize that AI was, or the excuse me, the Hades was the uh, counterbalance to Gaia, in the sense that like like there were times when like Gaia would be trying to go through its protocols, its procedures, that sort of thing. But sometimes it wouldn't work correctly up, you know, up to certain specifications that the scientists had created. So that Hades would come in and basically wipe the slate clean to allow Gaia to try again and improve mm. upon itself. Interesting. So yeah, it, it was really cool because <laughs> then you, you go through and here's a big spoilers. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't played this game and you don't want to know, you should skip ahead. But, um, I thought it was fantastic because you come to realize that that your main character um, looks just like the scientist Elizabeth, mm. and so you're you're watching these holographic videos take place in these completely uh, decimated old bunkers that have, have like cobwebs and dust and stuff, and you get to watch um, these decisions being made with like the, the, the different councils and, and just the emotions running high and, and they're trying to do what they can to survive and stuff. And so it was, it was really cool. I, I was, I found myself getting drawn in and, mm. and enjoying it quite a bit. I have one question. Yeah. Did you end up hearing any other sounds coming out of the, the PlayStation controller? No. Nuts. No. But that, <laughs> I mean, since you touched upon that, I love the Touch. little speaker. Here we go again. <laughs> Blessed grope. Okay. Um. Anyway, I absolutely love. That's one of my favorite um, things about the the PS4 controller is having that speaker in there. It would have been great to have used additional sounds for that. Just because, I mean, I just loved it. every time I brought up um, just that little purple sphere thing. I can't remember what it's called, but um, I just loved how they just added another dimension to the immersion factor for that. So anyway, great in boss battle. 
Uh, lots of uh, epicness going on. Did you, did you fill him with all sorts of organically armor-piercing arrows? <sighs> well, when it came to Hades itself, <laughs> see, here here is the deal. That there was a fail-safe that, that was in place oh. that um, Hades was trying to dismantle. So that Because essentially what had happened was that the last time they had wiped the slate clean, uh. Gaia had actually created... You're distracting me with your little sounds over there. Sorry. Just so fascinated. Yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> so what happened was is that you come to find out that Aloy, the character that you're playing as, mm. was actually created by Gaia, who was uh, who was created by Elizabeth. And so Elizabeth had put all of her time, love, and energy into creating Gaia into this like super advanced AI and everything else. And so Gaia at one point decided to take some of the DNA that it had from Elizabeth and essentially like make another Elizabeth with, but without obviously without the memories and everything else, mm. it's just the same type of person, which I thought was cool too. So there was like this weird connection thing going on, but it's like far and above yeah, me. I, <laughs> uh, I'm just like trying to concentrate on getting mucus out of me right now. Right? Am so I making like, your brain hurt, Steve? <laughs> Like, um, uh, <laughs> all right, next topic. <laughs> Steve's like, uh, cars, uh, gas pedal, good brake, <laughs> oil, nitrous, yeah, exhaust. Let's do it. Anyway, um, absolutely car. love the game. It's one of my favorite games of the year. It's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually going to, if I ever get around to getting like a 4K version of the PS4, um, I'd love to be able to do another romp through. They have a new game plus mode as well when you beat the, the game, which is like nice. Yes. And so that's probably what I'll do too is, is go through it because it's just oh, so good. One last thing too is that um, for those of you who are still playing through the game or haven't played through the game, I highly encourage you to go hunt down the ancient armor. It takes a while. You're probably not going to be able to get to it until like 75 to 80% through the, the main quest. However, look for those power cells and get the ancient armor. It is completely overpowered and it's completely awesome. <laughs> so moving on to the next uh, little thing here. Steve. Well, you beat a game and I beat a game, Russ. How uh, yeah. quinky dinky is that? How quinky dinky indeed. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Another game I've been playing a lot is Mario Kart. And I got to say, it is probably one of the best casual games I have ever played. And I've always been a huge fan of Mario Kart back in the Super Nintendo days. Uh, but playing Mario Kart, first of all, my daughter absolutely loves to watch it. Of She'll course. sit like it's the one game that like she will sit on the couch and, and cheer and, and just, you know, anytime that she sees a coin on there, she's like, coin, coin. You know, and so it's a lot of fun to see her respond to that. And it's just a part of the magic that is Nintendo. But yeah. I mean, it, we'll talk about a game that you can just pick up and play and just yeah. have fun. It's not a hard game to play. And it's a game actually that you and I need to, to sit down and play some multiplayer with, but just fun. And there are a ton of tracks, by the way. There are there, there are just so many. I haven't even gone through all of them yet, but they're all very imaginative. A lot of fun. It's just, it just makes you happy to play it. So you like being happy here at Joy Guys and Mice. Indeed. I enjoy being a little uh, festive, festive, happy, yes, happy. Of course, the other thing, too, which we'll talk about much later, is the fact that we've had a chance to sit down and play Destiny 2. Mm -hmm. uh, last night was able to meet up with a couple of buddies 
check it out. A couple of bros. A couple of bros. <laughs> get kind of that fire team experience, but uh, we'll get to that uh, that later. That's I mean that's, that's about all the stuff I've been doing this week, I suppose. Mm, that's quite a lot, right? Now, when it comes to the gaming news, we really don't have any gaming news. However, have you seen this yet, Steve? I don't know. I'm looking at a black screen on your phone, Russ. So this is uh, from CD Projekt Red. Russ, obviously you're not paying attention to what I'm posting on our Facebook. I posted that days ago. Oh, well, have you seen it yet? That was my question. Uh, I figured it'd be obvious, but um, <laughs> yes, I've seen it, Russ. I've seen it about three or four times. Oh, good, good. Well, it's good to know that you're keeping it on top of that Facebook page, Steve. Good work, Johnson. Uh, thank you. Anyway, I thought it'd be worth looking over because I didn't watch the whole thing. I actually stopped myself because I wasn't mm. sure if you watched it. Mm. But I figured we'd watch it right now just to kind of take it all in. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, yes. This brings me back. Good old to salt. Hey, was just reminiscing and realized, damn, been ages since we last saw each other. You know me, got a hard time staying put. Though, Regis says I'm getting old. <laughs> Drops in with herbs for Triss sometimes. Strange species I've never seen. They grab Yennefer, lock themselves in her lab, spend all day brewing. Wouldn't dare interrupt them. Not that I'm complaining. Gives me time to help the guys with their contracts. Although, can't shake the feeling they mainly take jobs nearby. Lambert practically lives here. As I said, find it hard to sit still. Except, things are good here, you know? I'm good. We play Gwent, drink wine, swipe grapes from Anarietta's vineyards the odd moonlit night. Vesemir would enjoy that especially. Been through hell and high water, you and me. Fact is, you know me better than anyone else does. Actually, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thanks for everything. And no, we all miss you, old friend. So, might be my birthday, but I say, here's to you. Now, tell us how you're doing. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, CD Projekt Red did not have to do that, and they did it um, just because they are passionate and they love the game and they love their um, followers and their you know, everyone who bought the game. So I thought, you know what? Thank you very much. That's well done. Gave me goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, that's something that honestly I'm surprised they did because just watching that video, that takes a while to yeah. be able to do all those animations, the motion mm-hmm. capture, the the VO. I mean, like like that does you know, you need to be able to block off a certain amount of time. And especially considering the fact that they're working on cyberpunk was it 2077. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> um, I was really, I was not expecting them to do that at all. Um, I'm curious to find out your thoughts about it. Do you think that that was just a 10th anniversary 
little token of appreciation or do you think that they are hinting at something else? Uh, a little of both. Um, there's actually a two hour conference you can watch on YouTube where CD Projekt Red answers some questions from the fans and answers questions from uh, this, uh, this moderator. And I didn't get through the full two hours, but um, my main question was, does this mean they're bringing out another Witcher? Yeah, seriously. And they never even touched on it. So, mm-hmm. um, but they did ask questions or they did allude to, you know, we were doing this for you guys and, you know, we they own all the rights to the Witcher and they don't want to give up on the world yet. But I mean, they're not thinking about making a game at this point because uh, everything is, is going towards um, uh, cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, um, yeah. And that's what their focus is. But I mean, clearly they have not forgotten the, the gamers and the, the, the place was packed. Uh, yeah. And there's tons of gamers who are cheering people's answers. And Where just, was this and, taking place? Uh, I, uh, I believe it was in the UK. Okay. Yeah. Was it during Gamescom? No. Okay. Um, PAX, something rather. Oh yeah. PAX. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, anyhow, um, I mean, tons and tons and tons and tons of fans and people are getting up to the mic. Sometimes I'm even asking questions, just saying, thank you for making a game, which, you know, there's no microtransactions and, you know, you, you, you get, you rewarded us for the money we spent on your game. Thank you. So, I mean, there was, it was very, very positive interview. Um, but I think they're, they, they're hinting at, okay, we've made Witcher games to cover all of the, the stories that were written. And so now the other game is going to be something that is not going to have anything pertaining to do with these stories. It's going to be something original that CD Projekt Red's going to have to come up with. Mm-hmm. And it could be, that uh, it takes place in Toussaint. It could be that uh, you can control other witchers and, and take, you know, your own story, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be you take, you know, Siri and have your own little romp, or maybe you customize your own separate witcher and, and you know, do whatever. Um, I'll tell you, an idea I had, though, uh, is if they did the same thing, but they showed, uh, like, uh, a Star wars uh, you know, how... how um, Yoda and uh, Ben Kenobi mm-hmm. pass away, but their spirit's still there. Yeah, right? yeah. Like if they, if they showed that with everybody gathering at the table, I don't know. That would have like really hit me in the feels, you know? <laughs> well, I thought it was still cool though no, to was, see yeah. like just how many characters were there. Yeah. And I think too, given the fact that um, I felt when I played through Witcher 3, like it was just a very soggy, depressing, honestly, romp through. You didn't have a lot of levity throughout the game. You, I mean, you had it toward, I, was, I would suppose maybe toward the, the second half of the game, yeah. but the game really by and large is kind of a, a sullen, I wouldn't say downer of a game, but no. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an adventure that is very sober. It's sober. very sober, so, yeah. soggy, type sober, of game. soggy, somber, yeah. something. <laughs> a lot of S's, but like when I think that was one of the things I really appreciated about blood and wine when they, when they introduced Toussaint. Yeah. was the fact that like it was a complete opposite direction in terms of just this gorgeous mm-hmm. vista, the vineyards, just the the, the um, thought process behind that. And I, I found myself just enjoying it that much more too, right. just having a balance between the two where like, you know, if, if I was in Toussaint for too long, I was thinking, yeah, I think I'm going to go back over here and, you know, check out some more of the areas that I was kind of getting burned out on. Right. So, um yeah, I, I really do tip my hat to CD Projekt Red for that. I mean, just just little things like that. When you when you give something out that to the the gaming community, they're going to eat it up and they're yeah. going to totally sing your praises as a result. One thing they they did um, in that little clip versus the actual game is that if depending on how you play the game, certain characters die. 
Right, right. But they're all, all besides like Vesemir, for example, they're all there. Uh-huh. Um, so Lambert depending, and, and Kira, depending on how you play the game, both yep. die. Um, and they were there. So, yep. again, I think that they, they might just say, thank you, but this is, we haven't forgotten about you and we have not forgotten about the Witcher story. Yeah. So I think this is just something to, to whet our appetite, to keep us hungry for more. I think you're right. Yeah. So. I, I think we're going to see more from The Witcher in the future. Probably not for a few years, but yeah. the fact that they actually took that time to do that and, and acknowledge the fact that like the series and the characters wouldn't exist if it wasn't yeah. for the fans and that sort of thing. And the fact that they also just released Gwent recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay faithful on the, that one. The fans are also asking, um, can we see the graphics update that you had for Blood and Wine and the rest of the game? And can we see... Uh, uh, a graphics boost, like when it, the Xbox Scorpio. I yeah. used to call it One X. Ross, let's say the Xbox Scorpio. Scorpio. <laughs> Scorpio forever. <laughs> when, when the Scorpio comes out with uh, with their HDR technology, uh-huh. I mean HDR would be incredible in that game. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we'll totes me goats. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into some movie news, Steve. What do you say? To start things off, Stephen King's It scores huge opening night. The horror film grossed an impressive $13.5 million on opening night, which was on a Thursday night. This is the third highest Thursday night showing in 2017, coming in behind only Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's $17 million opening and the live-action Beauty and the Beast, $16.3 million gross. It now has the largest opening for any horror movie September release, R-rated film, and any Stephen King film adaption. Paranormal Activity 3 previously held the record for biggest preview night for a horror film, having made $8 million in 2011 ahead of its $52.5 million. A sequel to it is already in development over at New Line Cinema, and I do believe that probably by the time the opening weekend is all said and done, I think that it has a chance to break the $100 million mark. It might make between $100 to $110 million opening weekend, which is a a very big deal for a horror movie. You just don't see that kind of popularity. Now, this next story is interesting because I didn't know where to put it. Sometimes I just figured I'd just throw it in there in the mix. And that is Toys R Us eyes potential bankruptcy filing. No! MSNBC reports the company currently owes $5 billion, $400 million of which is due by next year. Toys R Us was hired... Oh, excuse me, has hired law firm Kirkland and Ellis to help weigh restructuring options and deal with the debt, which can be anything from bankruptcy filing to possibly raising enough finances to cover the money owed. Quote, as we previously discussed on our first quarter earnings call, Toys R Us is evaluating a range of alternative, excuse me, alternatives to address our 2018 debt maturities, which may include the possibility of obtaining additional financing, end quote. Toys R Us was able to successfully refinance some of its debt last year, which gave the retailer more time to figure things out before facing billions in debt repayments. I thought that that was worth mentioning just because it's Toys R Us. I mean, that that was a business that we grew up with as kids in the 80s. And I have to say, like, like over the years... It seems to have kind of gone downhill a bit, right? Whether it's kind of the staff that works there, or it's uh, the, the the amount of product that they carry, it just seems like like the whole thing is just kind of sagged a bit, for lack of a better word. 
And so it, it, it kind of comes as no surprise seeing this type of situation too. I think there's, they need to have some, uh, rebranding or something, something. I, th- I think, I think the, the, the board that they have, the Toys R Us board needs to come together and rethink things out because I mean, that was one of the premier stores to go to back in the 80s. Yeah, I love like, going to Toys R Us. Oh, whatever kind of toys a kid that you could possibly want would be there. And just lately, I, I know if I were to go into one these days, they seem to be kind of behind the curve. You know, Toys R Us was our first avenue to buy Sega Master System games. That's right. It most certainly was. <laughs> Lots of good memories there. Being a kid and going in, or the Sega Genesis, walking mm-hmm. in, looking, just pressing your... Your hands up on the little uh, plexiglass and your little breath, like, fogging it up. Just while looking at all those cartridges. The next story we have here is that Star Wars and Marvel movies will move to Disney's streaming service. According to Variety, Iger made the announcement during a Q&A today at the Bank of America Merrill Lynch Media Communications and Entertainment Conference. Quote, we've now decided we will put the Marvel and Star Wars movies on this app as well. End quote, Iger said. He also provided a better sense of when the service would launch, saying to expect it in late 2019. This news only adds another layer to the increasing splintered world of home entertainment as various studios, networks, and streaming services seek to shore up their own stake in the landscape with original content and popular IPs, which is exactly what we talked about in Uh one of our previous episodes. Yep. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, I I think that... um, there's a danger that's there and yep. we've, like I said we've covered it in one of our main topics previously but I think that you're going to see the, the consumer get screwed in this because there's going to be too many platforms that you have to pay for and what if I mean yeah. what if one of our fans loves Disney loves Netflix and loves Twitch yep. that's three subscriptions just for entertainment well Twitch you don't have to pay anything what for. you can if you subscribe but do they have original programming uh, no, but I mean, if you're looking at Twitch, that's how some of the people earn some income is yeah. by their subscribers. Oh, okay. Disney and Pixar titles will also leave Netflix in favor of the new Disney service. So I think Disney's just going to be phasing out all of their major IPs from Netflix, which if I'm Netflix, I think I'd be pretty upset about that because they had just struck a deal. I think it was like a year ago to have all these things on there. And all of a sudden Disney just went, psych! Just took it out. So you're like, ah, WTF, man. (laughs) Apple, Amazon vie for James Bond movie distribution rights. THR reports, that's by the way, that's the Hollywood reporter, that Apple and Amazon are vying for the rights and are placing bids in the ballpark of what Warner Brothers, the company reportedly in the lead of this rights battle, is willing to pay. Amazon has been involved in the film world for a little while now, although nothing on the level of something like the Bond franchise. Former co-presidents of Sony Pictures Television are reportedly leading the charge for Apple, with THR sources suggesting the reason Apple is going after the Bond rights is to also try and expand the brand into the world of television, which I thought, okay, I could kind of get there, especially given the fact that where television has gone these days, we've got a lot of quality programming that could be on the the same level as movies, honestly. Sony has, to this point, partnered with MGM to release every James Bond film of the Daniel Craig era. However, their deal with MGM expired after Spectre, leaving the rights to the Bond franchise on the table with another Craig-starring Bond movie on the horizon for 2019. 
Industry expectations had suggested Warner Brothers would swoop in and seal the deal with MGM, even though Sony, Fox, and Universal have all been in pursuit as well. However, Apple and Amazon's possible bids may shake up the ongoing attempts to iron out the deal. And I think that that's worth mentioning too, just because you know you have two technology giants, Amazon and Apple, who clearly have a very big interest in trying to break into entertainment. You know, when it, as, as, as far as movies are concerned, and having the James Bond franchise, I mean, that's one of the most beloved series in the history of cinema. So, right. Any thoughts on that one, Steve? Yeah, I know Apple's been trying to break into the whole TV industry for a while. They've been branching out. Um, I mean, at one point, they were trying to make a car to, to rival Tesla. They've now since got out of that. Now they're trying to get a movie, uh, you know, showcasing stuff because um, they have their Apple TV and whatnot. Uh-huh. So that would be a big jump for them and successful. You know, yeah. I mean, they got the James Bond series, but Amazon's already there, developed. You know, they got their, their prime content. So yeah. it'd be a little bit easier for, for Amazon, but it'd be a, a gold nugget for Apple. Sure, sure. The final story I have here is that Star Wars Episode Nine new report details reason behind Colin Trevorrow's departure. IGN reports the departure of Colin Trevorrow from Star Wars Episode Nine has surfaced, suggesting that the director's inflated ego created some friction with Lucasfilm, which ultimately led to him being fired from the project. Speaking to Vulture, a source with inside knowledge about the productions of Jurassic World and The Book of Henry, both of which were directed by Trevorrow, said Lucasfilm may have fired him because he was difficult to work with. <laughs> Trevorrow reportedly focused a great deal of his creative energies on asserting his opinion during the production of Jurassic World, and since he was personally hired by Steven Spielberg, no one could drop him from the project. Following the film's incredible success, the director decided to helm The Book of Henry, and he was reportedly unbearable when doing the film. He had an egotistical point of view, and he was always asserting that, the source said. Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy won't put up with that type of personality, according to a film producer who's worked with a studio head. Quote, if you rub Kathleen Kennedy the wrong way, in any way, you're out. You're done. End quote, the source said. Another quote I have here is that a lot of these young new directors want to come in and say, I want to do this. I want to do that. A lot of these guys, Lord and Miller, Colin Trevorrow, got very rich very fast and believed a lot of their own hype, and they don't want to play by the rules, end quote, which the source notes is something Kennedy simply won't tolerate. The final note I have on this is that the studio released a statement addressing the news of Trevorrow's departure from episode nine earlier this week, saying that they have, quote, mutually chosen to part ways, end quote, and that, quote, Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process, but we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ, end quote. So, a little bit of the old amical separation, created mm. di differences, and I honestly expected that to happen at some point, not necessarily with Mr. Trevorrow, but just the fact that you have a lot of talent that's been hired for an IP that is one of the biggest IPs in entertainment, so you're going to be having a lot of different ideas, different approaches to things. I wish I could be a fly on the wall to just to like listen to some of buzz, the... Buzz, 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 buzz. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. I'm going to land on him. Hey, why is that guy coming at me with a fly swatter? Yeah. Anyway, that actually is the end of movie news, but... God, I got some good stories in there, I would say. Yeah, overall. nice little juicy bits. Yeah. Which one was your favorite? Uh, probably the uh, James Bond, Apple, Amazon, Thilio. Yeah, that one's a, that one's a doozy. 
it, Steve. I do believe it is none other than what? Time what? of the Epic of the Day! Finish blowing your nose. We got a topic to discuss. <laughs> Whoa, that sounded like a big one. Well, it was. You serve that booger an eviction notice. <laughs> you want this? No, I do not. <laughs> but now you made me like have to blow my nose. So give, give me just a second here. Uh, okay. My family can... that's sick together stays together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Now one of my ears is like opened up. The other one's clogged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Blow it out, bro. That's good. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. <gasps> I can Back breathe to the again. Hand yeah. here. <laughs> topic of the day is Destiny 2 play impressions. I have to say that the thoughts... Let's see. My hmm. thoughts on the story so far yeah. is I'm confused. <gasps> really? Because that's how I felt last night too. Go ahead. Um, I don't feel as though there has been enough exposition on the enemies. I think that's one of the big things because like I, I saw some cinematics of the cabal hmm. and I realized the cabal are bad. They're, they're the ones who, who are the evil ones. Cabals. Um, <laughs> you have some cabals. Uh, yeah, the enemy, uh, the enemy, the, the gonads. They were, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in addition to the cabals, there are these other alien enemy race species sure. classes. Yeah, you got to have a few little uh, randomites in there. Yeah, well, well, one of them, I guess, is called the Fallen, and I'm still having to learn this. And I, I suppose I should give all the listeners out there a bit of a disclaimer in the sense that I have barely started through this game. I'm not even close to, to getting halfway done with it. I'm very much just trying to find my way through even like how to like get my character properly equipped and mm. that sort of thing. So... I'm not, this is by no means like, like my end all be all judgment of the game. It's just what I've been able to play so far. Sure. And so last night I was able to hook up with a couple of buddies who are hardcore destiny players. They were very patient with me, which I appreciate. They were kind of hand holding me through what to do, but I got to say there was just, um, not a lot of direction go from, from, for a newbie like myself to be able to kind of chomp into and understand which we talked about during the beta. We did. Yeah, we did talk about that a bit. And I, I, like I said, I'm just assuming that there will probably be more plot revealed as I go through the game and I'll be able to find out a bit more of what the purpose is of the fallen, get more of a purpose of, of who and, and what the purpose is of the cabal coming to earth in the first place. So, um, yeah, jury is still out on the plot overall, but everyone who I've talked to who, who has already like, like big baby moose, he's already gone through and beaten the, the main quest. I mean, he actually took time off. I think he took off like five days from his day job <laughs> to sit down and play nothing but destiny. And that's, that's just great. Um, in terms of the characters, I know in destiny beta, I decided to go for the Titan. 
And this time around, I actually went with the warlock, which was the character that you, I believe, played as in right. the, the beta. When it worked, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> For those of you that missed out on that episode, poor Steve, like every time he was trying to play the beta, he, you just got kicked out all oh, the time. I don't know what the deal was. At least 20 times. Yeah. Anyway, I'm really enjoying the warlock. I feel like that play style fits me better. Mm-hmm. I just like a lot of the, uh, the attributes and the abilities of the character. And so, um, I look forward to actually getting to grips with all three classes at some point, but right now I'm just really enjoying the warlock. I really enjoyed also the, the create a character um, segment of the game. I thought that was really well thought out. It actually reminds me of an older first was well, actually, a, I don't think it was first. It was, well, was it the first person or third person anyway, terrible game, but it was called brink. Mm. And it was a game that I was super excited about when I first saw the game demos yeah. of it was absolutely excited to play it. I mean, like just, just the, the visual aesthetic was right up my alley. Couldn't wait to play it. And I got it home and I was like, what happened? What yeah. the heck? <laughs> what, is, what did I buy? And literally <laughs> I, I realized that the game demo that I saw where they were mainly in the creative character portion of the game, that's the part that sold me on the game. And that was the part <laughs> that they put all the TLC into and the game itself was just unplayable. I couldn't play the game. I was thinking, oh, man, this is such a bummer because love the name. Love Brink. That's such a cool word to use for a shooter game. Loved the the styling of the characters and just the, the way that you could customize your character and stuff. All of that was just like perfect. So cool. So it was cool to, you know, going back to Destiny 2. And again, I've never played the first Destiny game, either as Steve. But I did really appreciate how they... Um, went down that same road in terms of having this high poly character that you could customize in real time. And um, just all the different options in there were a lot of fun. I mean, I actually spent probably close to an hour just enjoying going through what could be before finally settling on what I did, which I believe, what are they called? An XO or something like that. Yeah. Um, That's the one I went for. So, sorry, I'm, the mucus is coming up to say hi again. Um, what did you think of the the create a customer screen? I, I like how in depth it was. Um, I'm going to be spending a lot of time on that. Um, at first, I was thinking like, oh, "Come on, let's go play." Uh, <laughs> but I know when I get the game, I'm going to be like, "Oh, well, this looks cool." Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, I want to do that one. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no. Oh, okay, fine. Well, maybe we're a different color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the game, Steve? No. I don't know. I'm still like, I'm, I'm on two hours here. I'm still customizing my character. I like that one. Uh, no, I like that yeah. one. <laughs> Nobody bother me. I'm customizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's going to be fun too, to go back. Like once I beat the game with the warlock class or even before I, I beat it, like, you know, when, when you actually get a copy of the game too, and we're, and we're doing a romp through, I'll just go back through and choose something for the Titan class or whatever. I, I actually don't even remember. What is the third class name? There's Titan. Hunter. That's right. <clears throat> so in terms of the graphics, this is something that is a bit of a hit or miss for me. Some, I guess. Okay. So we've already talked about the graphics regarding the, the creative character screens. Those are high fidelity. It just, it looks really well done. When I get into the game, if I look at the environments, the environments are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Sometimes, depending on where I'm at, the environments are gorgeous. 
I mean, you look around and, and you and you can tell that like there was just a lot of imagination, a lot of thought put into it. And given the fact that we knew ahead of time that there there were certain limitations regarding what they could do with the graphics, just because this is basically an MMORPG, but in a first person shooter mm-hmm. um, setting, right. that they they're not going to be able to do um, as much with it as as say you know Overwatch, for example. Right. Um, even though Overwatch is decidedly more cartoony, like Team Fortress, I mean, there still is, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of detail in there. Uh, it's 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 kind of um, misleading to think that it's just a, a simple looking game because actually that that type of, of style takes a lot of TLC as well. But back to Destiny Two, there were certain parts where, like, if I'm romping through the cliffs of a mountain or something, or I'm going down to a ravine or or what have you loving it. Like, I'm just like, wow, this is, this is actually really fun to just take my time and just drink in all of the visuals. However, there are times when I'm playing, like, like I got to the church where there was a certain character and he had a hard name to remember, but, um, I was going through some of the, the, um, rounds where you're, you're fighting enemies off with your fire team and with other players who were online, that sort of thing. And I found the graphics to just kind of be more like Xbox 360 mm-hmm. level, not necessarily Xbox one. And so I, I was trying to be forgiving of that to a certain point, but I found kind of that like this change up between the two where, um, you know, like, like when I go to back to the farm, which is kind of the staging area for all the players who are coming in and want to get their next assignment or, or move the main quest forward or buy new gear, that sort of thing. It's kind of just a safe area. Love the way that looks. I think that that looks really cool. So it's, it's that constant back and forth, and I don't know if that's going to be throughout the whole game or not, but what did you think? I thought it sort of plateaued a little. Um, In terms of the graphics? Yeah. In the beginning of part of the game, it's like, wow, okay, you know, I haven't played any levels that look like this ever in my life. You know, uh, this is this is crazy good, all the environmental effects, and we talked about that also on the beta. Um, uh, and then later on in the game, it just kind of seemed a little standard. Mm-hmm. Like part of the excitement was lost or gone or it just kind of fell flat. Yeah. Um, it wasn't terrible, but it's just like, okay, um, what, what's going to happen here that's going to wow me? You know, this is Destiny 2. Like, hooray, you know, Destiny 2 is supposed to be this big mo- monumental AAA release. Um, and then I'm, I, I lost excitement and plus since we <laughs> were kind of like trying to tweak with the audio and we ended up like, you know, putting just um, Big Baby Moose and Friend uh, in your ear, then I couldn't hear anything. So all I just saw was, you know, people doing emotes here and there. And then like, you know, somebody will come out and then you'll get shot. And then, you know, uh, some bunch of stuff would happen. And then it was like dark screen. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and I was kind of lost myself. I mean, even, and you, honestly, we were just goofing off on the headset. There was joking around and stuff. There was, well, there was not a lot of, um, exposition. Although, there was a healthy um, dose of the fact that they were trying to explain this is where you go, this mm-hmm. is what you do. And I think that that is a testament to the fact that the game is deep. It's a deep game. But at the same time, it's kind of um, intimidating for a newbie like myself just because um, I have an issue with the fact that I don't know what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. and I don't know where I'm supposed to go in the game. And I think that that was one of the things that um, we, we touched upon in the beta as well is that there's really not a lot of handholding for that for new players when you come in. If I didn't have my my buddies actually showing me where to go and stuff, I would be lost, to be honest. And, and that's where the frustration starts to come in, is the fact that um, 
something as simple as, as like some sort of visual indicator that tells you where you're supposed to go. Like for instance, in Horizon Zero Dawn, there there um, is um, an icon that appears and it shows you the general direction of where you're supposed to go if you want to go to do you know that particular quest. Mm-hmm. And it's great because then at that point I know, oh, I'm supposed to go in that direction, but I can take my time getting there if I want to. My understanding of Destiny 2 is, is that you have to press um, what the equivalent is of the back button on the Xbox One controller. It's the the one with the two squares mm-hmm. on it. And it brings up your ghost. And then through that, that actually will then temporarily bring up like some sort of checkpoint icon up there. And I, I'm curious. I'd like to know why they decided to go with that approach because to me that seems like a step backward just in terms of my first knee-jerk reaction because I'm going to have to press that back button all the time to right. kind of figure out where the heck I'm supposed to go. They might have done it that way, though, because a lot of Destiny players like to search and find stuff and don't want to have to be constantly reminded, go this way, go this way, go this way, go this way, you know. Might have been a good idea to, to either have an on-off, so you, if you turn it on, you know exactly where you're supposed to go at yeah. all times, or if you just don't want to do that at all and you want to go around exploring, then you just turn it off and not have that reminder there. Right. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, and, and I'll probably get a little more comfortable with it the more I play it. Right. And, and obviously, too, there are multiple game modes. I mean, there's I, th- I believe we were playing PvE last night, but there's also PvP. And I don't know if the main quest is married to the PvE portion of the game or if it's standalone. So again, it, it's I'm still trying to get my bearings on mm-hmm. that. Excuse me. Um, well, one more thing about the graphics. Um, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to wait to get the game until I got the Scorpio. Uh-huh. Is because the, the graphics will get a little bit of a boost. Or at least the resolution anyway will get a boost. Sure. Um, and that's how I really want to enjoy the game. And I, and I was kind of fearing that, that this would be the case where some parts of the game look great. Some part of the game does not look as great. Yeah. Um, so I want to play it originally from the get-go, running the best it can run. Oh, sure. At least, it, <laughs> I mean, the best it's ever going to run is on a PC, a high, really you know, <laughs> girthy PC, and that, uh-huh. I, I'm not going to be able to buy one of those. But yeah. Um, but with the, uh, the Scorpio, at least uh, it'll be running a little bit higher than on the uh, Xbox One. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed too about the game is the fact that it is fun to play both in a group yeah. and solo. Mm. I haven't played too much playing solo, but um, I played just enough to realize, man, okay, I can kind of get behind this too, where like I don't necessarily have to tap into the MMO component of the game if I want to just lone wolf it, be a maverick, and, and go through it. And I heard somewhere about how Bungie has made more of an effort for that. I don't think that was so much the case for the destiny one, but they've, they've tweaked it a bit more to facilitate that for folks who really don't feel like they have to depend on being in a fire team. So yeah, I I think as I play along through it, maybe in the future, I'll, I'll play all the way through using the fire team or, and perhaps my second or third go around I'll do, or maybe I'll just, just create a standalone um, save of just me doing it solo just to see the differences between the two. But I will say it is really fun. Once you're actually playing with people, you could tell that the game's sole foundational purpose is to play in teams and have yeah. fun, you know, with your friends. So um, I like, 
major damage done with punching now, Russ, as opposed to over Overwatch. When oh, it's like <laughs> 10 man. points versus like killing somebody. I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the biggest high points of my game playing career as it pertains to Bungie games is that Bungie is a master of the melee. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it is so gratifying to melee somebody in a Bungie game, whether mm-hmm. it's Halo or Destiny. They have perfected <laughs> the melee attack. When I started meleeing, and I believe you were here for this, when I discovered how to melee in the game, I st- suddenly stopped using my gun altogether and was just going around meleeing fools all over the place because it was just so fun. And melee is not to be overlooked for any game when it comes to first-person shooters or really, you know, whether it's third-person too. I mean, I think that, um, but, but you know, especially for first-person shooters, you've got to have the melee perfectly tweaked and balanced to just be gratifying and to tell you like, yeah, to, to give you an example, like overwatch, for example, I think that, that the, one of the weakest points of overwatch and, and all of you faithful listeners out there know that both Steve and I are huge overwatch fans. However, the melee is something that they need to really balance out and, and, and make more pronounced, I guess is a good word to say, because it just, it feels like, there's not enough umph behind it. I think I think umph is a good way of describing what Bungie does perfectly well. Is when you melee, I mean, you feel it, you experience it. You're like, yeah, take that. Unless you're Doomfist. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one character. <laughs> one character whose whole like yeah. you know purpose of being is because he has a freaking gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. But even that's not even a melee. I mean, the 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 attacks, his main attacks are all melee based, except for his like hand cannon. Um, but a lot of these are just, they just seem kind of limp wristed, like, you know, it just doesn't do a whole lot. And, and, you know, a melee, I, and again, we can have discussions on whether or not, you know, it's realistic to be able to, to take away that much health from a, a character or not. But I think at the end of the day, when you're getting in close and personal like that, and you're able to score a melee hit, you should be rewarded by a pretty significant amount of damage to that particular character that you're, you're up against. And there are other games too that are first person where you try melee. It just, it it comes off as awkward. It doesn't work. And Bungie has always been able to nail that on the head. Do you have any thoughts on that, Steve? That's about it, Rod. Or the the melee. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Oh, yeah. When you start, did you melee when you were playing the beta at all? Yeah. I can't remember if you, because you got kicked out so many times. Yeah, well, when I was there, I tried to maximize every single solitary (laughs) second I was able to play, so... (laughs) Of course. You get brought in into the level and like shooting. Yeah, I was gonna say punching and kicking just at the air. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, man, that's like the karate kid on uh yeah t- <laughs> on cocaine. Apparently that karate <laughs> kid didn't take his riddling. Uh yes, Russ. When it comes to the weapons, <laughs> this is another um, category that I wanted to make sure that we covered. When I first started playing Destiny, honestly, I didn't really care for the weapons. I didn't like the way they kicked back when I when I squeezed the trigger. I didn't like the way they felt. I thought they sounded okay, but it just it, it just didn't seem to work right. However, now that I've been a little farther into the game, I've been able to discover some other weapons. There are certain ones that I do really enjoy shooting. It is a, a lot of fun to be able to um, strategize which ones you want to work with. And also, too, being able to swap in and out with your heavy weapon is is a lot of fun as well. 
Now, I can't remember what the, the correct terminology is for when you basically do the equivalent of like the, the ultimate, but like you have this ability when you press both shoulder uh, buttons that like all of a sudden you go into this temporary like overpower mode and you just have this, this awesome time. The Warlock is extremely gratifying for that, which is more than I can say for the Titan. When I did the, uh, with the Titan on the beta, it, like once again, I think it's just personal preference. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it doesn't fit my style of play versus the warlock, which I went into it. I'm like, yeah, I can get behind this. This feels right to me. No. So that's cool. We going into sound rush. What's your next one? Uh, yeah, we can go into sound. Go ahead, team. You see that? I, that was one of my, my hiccups was the imbalance between like the music or in sound effects where the music almost had more girth to it a little more bass and uh-huh. then like if a starship was flying by or you know a, a, a grenade explodes it looks impressive but the sound kind of fell flat i thought okay this is like some solar grenade that's like frying every, you know everything in its path um shouldn't it sound um uh thank you yeah get it out Rose. uh <laughs> sound like that <laughs> yeah exactly like through it i'll give you some plasma <laughs> yeah. um and depending on the weapon, I mean, there were more weapons that just kind of went, you know, when you're shooting them rather than. Well, again, I think that may have to do with the fact that we haven't gotten very far in the game. No, I get it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the standard that, that I'm thinking of for sound was is uh, Halo's class or the, the Master Chief collection mm-hmm. where. Uh, they sampled a lot of different guns to make the actual uh, sounds they have. And depending on if it's the carbine, which is, you know, is an alien weapon, right, or some other we- alien weapons, they, they have much more of a, uh, a sound that, that, that kicks you. Like you feel that that rocket launched, mm-hmm. you know, and didn't just shoot or blow up. You, you felt it, right. you know? Um, and a lot of that, to me, is just missing. Now, sometimes when the music comes on, it's like, duh, duh, duh. I'm yeah. like, whoa, okay, now the speaker's <laughs> kicked in, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, and that may be due, due to the fact that we had to keep it kind of down just because uh, my daughter was going to sleep, so we couldn't really turn up to 11. But the other thing, too, is that we um, came into uh, some speakers and receivers, and we're still trying mm-hmm. to get to grips with those as well. True, uh, although it did sound pretty much the same uh, from the beta, and then when I was playing the beta, oh, okay. when, when it worked, um, <laughs> I was I was cranking it up, and it, it, it kind of... Those this there. Yeah. You know. Some other critiques I have of the game thus far revolves around some of the characters. And um the ghost, for example, is straight up Guilty Spark from Halo. Mm-hmm. I was actually Junior. Guilty Spark Junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I found it. I found myself to be a bit disappointed by that. Not that it was like a deal breaker or anything like that, but I was surprised at how Bungie decided to keep going with that same type of character, considering the fact that they really use that, that type of, you know, flotational orb with the glowing eye and it has like that kind of a, uh, an intelligent, almost prissy kind of voice to it. Yeah. Yeah, Just, Oh, Oh yes. I can't believe it. Uh, You know, um, (laughs) I almost wanted to hear him go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was was halfway expecting to hear that. So that that was a bit of a bummer just because I, I, while I like the idea of having some sort of companion that goes along with you, it would have been nice to have seen a different type of design for that, different type of approach. 
another character, which was the Cabal, also um, bore a striking similarity to the Brutes from Halo. And I think you were the first to mm-hmm. kind of point that out. It's almost like if you were to grab a hold of a brute and shave him down so that you just saw just a, a naked, <laughs> a bare naked brute, he would look like a cabal. Not that it would look exactly the same, but, th- but once again, just those things kind of come to mind. And yeah. I mean, w- with a company that's as talented as Bungie with all the, um, the money and, and the skills and everything else, um, it would have been nice to have seen them take um, a bit more of an original approach to those, those characters. And again, those are the only two characters that I've come across from like, eh, cause everybody else is, looks great. Everybody else is completely original and stuff. But, um, I think the cabal, the, the main guy, I don't know what his name is. Uh, I haven't gotten that far into it, but, um, he sounds like the, uh, not, not the arbiter himself, but the, uh, the arbiter, the, there were, there were two arbiters that were basically, um, going against the system back in Halo uh-huh. and not the main arbiter that joins you up later on, but the the other guy. Hmm. He sounds exactly like him. I was trying to find his name last night and I couldn't find it. Um, but I thought, I, again, you know, I'm just drawing parallels and I, I want them to be separate. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for a separation, not uh You not want a new story. You know, yeah. you, you want something that, that's completely new, not something that you'd expect from, uh, from Halo, but... Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to play footsmooth just now. But, uh, <laughs> um, sorry. The final thought I have about it is that um, there's a bit of a hurdle I'm having difficulty getting over, and that is the clash between future Earth versus what I call medieval Earth. And what I mean by that is... so. Earth is one of the planets. And in fact, the the whole game, to my understanding, is that it takes place in our solar system. So there will be other planets or moons or whatever that I go to, but it, it's, it stays within our solar system. And Earth is definitely one of the main places that you go back to and visit. That's all well and good. I'm perfectly okay with that. However, when it comes to the Guardians, they look like they belong in a medieval game. I mean, they look like knights in shining armor or friar tucks or they have kind of that, that Jedi almost kind of look to them. And so from just a purely design standpoint, really design and art, I'm trying to, to get on board with that. And it seems to be too much of a clash of like with, you know, when I go to earth and I'm seeing um, certain cities and, and churches, architecture, things that look more contemporary and modern and even some stuff that has a bit of that, that little taste of future to it mixed with these, these guardian characters that you're running around with that look like they belong during the Knights of the round table. Um, I don't, I, I just, I can't, I'm not there yet. I don't mind that too much. Cause I kind of like all that, that, uh, lore medieval kind of stuff. Uh, I think that, that looks kind of cool. And I think that's just a different approach uh, that the game is taken. I kind of like it in a way. Uh, plus you can customize your character, um, as you go and as you level up and as you attain other stuff. So, I mean, it could get, there's a good chance it could get better. Oh yeah. And and I think that that's a good way to wrap it up too. Is just the fact that, um, these are just critiques and observations that I've noticed while playing the game. I'm still very much enjoying the game. I'm looking forward to being able to get through and, and perhaps have some of these things be more explained, or maybe I I just have to adjust my play style to it, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing um, just what happens throughout the, 
the game itself. I'm sure I'll be putting in lots of time. I have one more question though. Um, and I was back and forth watching the game and then uh, taking some calls, but, um, did your characters ever end up so like talking to each other or communicating or was it just like the little, uh, computer thing that was speaking to the main characters? Well, you have your ghost right. that, that talks to you and then you have certain characters that you can go up to and, and talk to and interact with and they kind of help you along the story and, and, and certain quests that you have to go on. But other than that, I mean, it's, I haven't really run into other NPCs. Uh, everyone else I've seen on there has been um, other players who are playing online. So the Guardians themselves, though, the three characters you can choose from, they're all mute. Now, that is a good question. I don't know because okay. I've noticed the same thing where it's like the ghost is kind of talking on your behalf and you're right. not really talking yourself. Yeah. That's something that I'll have to ask either Nick or Will or someone um, and find out. Yeah, just, that, that would be cool. I mean, I would expect you would talk to your little computer and not just remain voiceless the entire you know journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see how that works out too. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> you see, get his little pad and paper out like, I need the bathroom. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter at JoygasmTV and Facebook.com slash JoygasmTV in addition to iTunes and Android. You can also listen to our podcast on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash JoygasmTV or search JoygasmTV on YouTube. Or Twitch. Or Twitch. That's right. If you go on Twitch and do a search for Joygasm TV, you can find us there as well. Uh, one final note that I forgot to mention early on is that I know in the previous episode, we were talking about how we were going to make Apple predictions for this main topic of the day. However, we've decided to punt that until next week. And so next week, after the Apple conference that's scheduled to take place on September 12th, we're actually going to have our reactions to everything that gets announced then. So... Until we see you all lovely folks again, I will bid you adieu and happy gaming. Bye.